Good to have David with us tonight. Amen. Uh, we're glad to, he's with us, Brother David, and uh, always good to see him come. All right, Revelations chapter number 7, and I'm going to read it to you tonight. It's a rather lengthy chapter. Uh, uh, actually, same number of verses as chapter 6 has in it. Revelation 7, verse 1. The Bible said, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth, given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we were sealed, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there was sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah was sealed twelve thousand, of the tribe of Reuben was sealed twelve thousand, of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Aser were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephilim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. And after this I beheld, lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, kindred, people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders and the four beasts, and fell down before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these, and which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And he said unto me, Sir, thou knowest. He said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. And they shall lead them unto the living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for the reading of the Word of God. And uh, Lord, as we come to you tonight, Lord, we're glad that, Lord, when we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are on the right foundation. For no other foundation can man build upon other than that that has already been laid. We're thankful, Lord, that you are the chief cornerstone, and Lord, that you made us lively stones in the building of God. Lord, as we come tonight, Lord, to this uh, book, Lord, tonight that many are uh, afraid of, and many think it, nothing in it can be understood, uh, Father, we come tonight to you, and we pray you will give us understanding, uh, Lord, as we could have it tonight. We know that no man can open the book unless the Holy Spirit opens it up to them. Lord, help me to be apt to teach tonight, and please help the people to be apt to listen and have ears to hear, and Lord, to be able to grasp some understanding tonight from the Word of God. We thank you for each one that's here and for the young people up to the other building. Bless all that's on the grounds tonight. Save anyone that might not be saved tonight, Lord, we pray, and we thank you for all of it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, Revelation 7 is what we call a parenthetical chapter. 
If you got a Schofield study Bible or probably any study Bible, it probably says that above the heading there. It'll say a parenthetical uh, chapter. And, uh, and what that means, it's like uh, the word parentheses, like when you write a letter and you put uh, parentheses around something you're wanting to really bring out. Uh, for instance, uh, it, it tells us uh, what's going on, but then it wants us to know something else also is going on. It's like the sentence that I'd use tonight as an illustration. We might say we had ice cream today, but then at the end of that we might put parentheses and we might say, and we walked also. Uh, so uh, when we say this is a parenthetical chapter, uh, we're saying that, that God wants us to know what's just happened. That's why it said after these things, the very first words, it says after these things. And it's talking about all the things that we just looked at in uh, Revelations chapter 6 for several weeks. Uh, it's letting us know that while all that was going on, there's parentheses and the Lord says, and while all that's going on, the Lord says, and this is taking place. Uh, he calls us away from that to let us know that while all that's going on that we've been studying about for four or five weeks, He says, parentheses, and this is taking place. And what's taking place during all of that is that while all of that was going on that uh, we studied about the earthquakes and and the people under the altar and the famines and and uh, all of that. While all of that's going on, the Lord's doing something else. Uh, and what the Lord is doing is what uh, we've read here in chapter 7, is He is sealing 144,000 of the different tribes of Israel. Now, I want you to remember this, because uh, sometimes it's a stumbling block in going into the book of Revelations, that we don't really stop to realize this, even though we may know this. But everything in the book of Revelations, and I've said this repeatedly, that even though people send you a social media text, or they send you something on their phone, and they say the vaccine is the mark of the beast, or this is going on, nothing, nothing in Revelations from chapter 4 and verse 1 all the way to the end of the book has yet happened. Not happened yet. You say, how do you know that? Because the church ain't been raptured yet. And the church is raptured in chapter 4 and verse 1. Now there may be a lot of things going on that looks like what's going to happen during the tribulation, but we know it's not that, not yet, because we're still here. When we uh, look at that, we need to remember that if you're saved tonight and you've made your calling and election sure, you know that you've been born again. As Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You will not be here when all these things take place because you're going to be raptured out in chapter 4 in verse 1. John's a type of that. And then you're going to be in heaven and what's going on in chapter 4 and 5 during that time, all of that's going to be going on while this uh, down here is taking place. So remember everything, everything in Revelations from chapter 6 and verse 1 all the way over to chapter 19 and verse 20, everything in between there it's got to take place in seven years. That's right. That's a lot of stuff going to be taking place in seven years. But it's important that uh, that you remember that and that you uh, understand that that everything from Revelation six, which begins the tribulation, all the way over to Revelations. Uh, 19 and I think verse uh, 20, 20 ends the tribulation and so all of that has got to take place in just seven years. Wow. It's going to be packed, ain't it? Now, the reason uh, that we 
we know this, and let me give you a little bit on this. I'm not going to go too into it too deep, but over in the book of Daniel, Daniel and Revelations go hand in hand. And uh, you can't really understand one uh, without the other one, really. And over in the book of Daniel, chapter number 9, And this really gets confusing when you really go in it, so I'm going to try to explain it in a way that won't be so confusing. But Daniel's given a vision uh, in Revelations chapter 9 and verse 24. And here's what he says. He says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. See that? Thy people is Israel, Daniel's people. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, not the church, not the church, Israel, thy people, and upon thy holy city, not here, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and to make a reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy." Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Now, we just read that 70 weeks are determined upon the people. Prophetically, weeks in the Bible are years. When the Bible talks about weeks, it, it, it means years. You say, how do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that. Look over in the book of uh, Genesis, chapter 29. And you'll remember the story there in Genesis 29. Genesis 29. And you remember the story about Jacob and Rachel, how Jacob loved Rachel and how he worked, you know, seven years for her, and then he didn't get her. Uh, he tricked him, gave her a sister, and then he worked seven more years for her. But notice in verse 18, the Bible said in Genesis 29, verse 18, And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years. Okay, now look down to verse 27. And it said, and Laban said, verse 26, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week. He's talking about seven years, but he calls it a week. And so Daniel tells us here that there's going to be uh, 490 years are determined upon Israel. And... Uh, when you go into this, uh, we won't go into all of it, but uh, a lot of this has happened in history. You can go back in history and you, you can say this is when this happened. Like for instance, when the, the rebuilding of the wall. And then the main thing is when it, uh, Messiah, uh, the prince, is cut off. In verse 26, that's talking about the Lord dying upon the cross. So until the Lord died upon the cross... When he died upon the cross, that made 483 years. 483 years until he died on the cross. Okay, when the Lord died on the cross, that prophetic clock that had been ticking, when the Lord died on the cross, it stopped at 483 years. And the Lord said there's going to be 490 years. So how many does that leave? Seven years. So when the Lord, when the Lord was crucified, that clock stopped. And it ain't moved since. 
But when the Lord raptures the church and the Lord turns back again to Israel, you remember how the Lord came and He first went to the Jew and uh, they were His chosen people, which meant He wanted them to take the message of the gospel to the world, but they couldn't do it because when He came, they rejected Him because they were looking for a kingly figure. And when He came as a lowly uh, person like He was, uh, they wouldn't accept Him. They rejected Him. And so when they finally rejected Him, Paul says in the book of Acts that God turned from the Jew to the Gentile. That's everybody that's not a Jew. And so for the last 2,000 years, you and I have been doing what God wanted them to do, but they wouldn't do it, and so God cut them off. At 483 years, God cut them off. But the Lord is going to at any time, rapture the church out. We're going to be gone. And when that happens, that clock is going to start ticking again, and God is going to turn back to deal with Israel for the last seven years. Last seven years. And here's why He's going to do it. He tells us there in the verse there, if you're looking for an answer, uh, uh, let me look at, look at uh, question two there while I'm on this. We know that the last is going to be seven years because of Daniel 9, 24 through 25 that I just read to you. But look over in Romans 9, uh, Romans 9 over in the New Testament. I thought I had all these flagged, but there's so many. Uh, uh, I couldn't flag them all, but Romans 9, verse 27, verse 28, he's talking, if Israel, Romans 9, Romans 10, and Romans 11 is all about Israel. And in Romans 9, he says, Elias also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Remember that when we start talking about this ceiling. For he will finish the work. What does it say? Cut it short. In other words, it's not going to take a long time for the Lord to do what he's going to do. Look at Romans 11 and verse 5. The Lord says, Even so then, well let me back up to verse 4, But what saith the answer of God unto them? I have reserved myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. That's 1 Kings 19. Remember, Elijah said, I'm the only one. And the Lord said, no, you're not. I've got 7,000 that hadn't yet bowed their knee to Baal. God had a remnant in the Old Testament. Well, God's still got a remnant. Look what it said. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to to the election of grace. Of grace. Amen. Now look in Matthew 24. Tribulation chapter. Talks about verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's tribulation. And the gospel of the kingdom, that's not the gospel of the grace of God, but the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all Nations, and then shall the end come. And he got, talks about uh, desolation, verse 15, 16. Talks about uh, the uh, women in Israel fleeing when the Antichrist uh, shows himself. But look what it says in verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, no flesh would be saved. So the tribulation is going to be shorter by some length. We don't know exactly how much, but there's an indication that it's going to be shorter in some ways. Okay, number three, 490 years or 70 weeks are determined upon Israel. Uh, and here's, what, here's why God's doing that. It tells you there in Daniel, uh, where we was at there in Daniel 9, 24, 25, he said God's going to do four things during that 490 years. He's going to finish the transgression. He's going to make an end of sin. He's going to make reconciliation for iniquity. 
and He's going to bring in everlasting righteousness. Talking about the millennial when the Lord comes. So that's what the Lord's doing. Now, you've got to understand this. When God stopped that prophetic clock, when God stopped that, at 483 years, when God stopped that, from then until the rapture of the church, the Old Testament didn't know nothing about it. But that's where God was going to stick the church age. That's where we've been the last, uh, all this last 2,000 years. God's been calling out a church. Uh, God has uh, been calling out a bride for His uh, Son, the Lord. And uh, when all that gets completed, uh, now Old Testament, you can't find the church really in the Old Testament. Uh, you say, why? Because it's a mystery. It was a mystery, not revealed until the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, God allowed him to reveal seven mysteries that nobody else knew until the Apostle Paul came along. And so there's the church age. Now, okay, remember this, what I told you, that all the things that's going to happen from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19, all of that's going to happen in seven years. So, God, when He lays this thing out, we have the seals, we looked at them the last three or four weeks. We're fixing to look at the trumpets. And the last thing we're going to look at is the vials. These are all judgments that God's going to pour out. But when Jesus come the first time, God really gave us four accounts of it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When the Lord came the first time. Now, a lot of them said the same thing. And then you got Mark added a little bit Matthew didn't tell you about and Luke picked on something that neither them got and then John brings up some stuff that the rest of them didn't get. But really, he gives us four accounts at the first coming of Jesus Christ. And I said all that to say this, and you need to understand this. When you go through the book of Revelations, Remember that everything's going to happen in, in seven years. Everything's going to happen in seven years. Don't, work, don't, don't bog your mind down trying to, to figure out exactly when everything is going to happen. Just know that everything in there is going to happen in seven years. And the Lord, now He come the first time, we had four counts of it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the Lord's second coming. We get four accounts of it in one book, the book of Revelations. Now here's the thing. You remember when I said in Revelations chapter 6, I said this goes all the way from the beginning to the end of the tribulation. All in that one chapter. Okay, God takes us all the way through the tribulation in the book of Revelations four times. You say, what, what are you saying? Well, well, we'll compare some things here in a minute. But the reason we always know we're at the end of the tribulation is because the Lord comes. Right? Alright, look in uh, Revelation 6. And I ain't going to read all that. I just want you to notice one thing there. Look in Revelation 6 and verse 16. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of His wrath is come. We're at the end of the tribulation. We're at the end of the tribulation. All the way through there. Now go to chapter 8. We have this little parenthetical thing in chapter 7, but then in chapter 8 we go right back uh, we go right back to the seven trumpets. And they run all the way over to chapter 11. Chapter 11 and verse number 15. Look what it said. 
And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. We're at the end of the tribulation again. That's two times. Now look in Revelation 12. It starts in again. We have another parenthetical chapter in chapter 10. Then we start back in again in chapter 12. And then go all, all the way over to chapter 15. Chapter 15 and look at verse uh, 15. Chapter 15 and verse uh, 15. There ain't no 15, is it? Chapter, chapter 12 and verse 15, I'm sorry. Is that right? I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. And look at verse 15. I know there's one of them there. And the serpent cast out his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And then we get uh, all the way over there uh, to chapter 16, look at chapter 16, and look at verse, uh, verse number 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blesses he that walketh, that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. So there in chapter 16, in verse 15, we come again. We're at the end of the tribulation. How do you know that? Because look at verse 18. The great earthquake. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Okay, then we go to chapter 17. This is the fourth time that we're going through it. In chapter 17, all the way over to chapter 19 and verse 11. And look what it said. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True and in righteousness he doeth judge and make war. The Lord's coming back. Drop on down there to verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And them that worshipped his image, they were both cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. That's the battle of Armageddon. That's the end. The Lord's come back again. So what I'm trying to get you to see is four times we have three different judgments. We got seals, we got trumpets, we got vials. But each one of those is just taking us back through the tribulation again. And each one of them just giving us some details that some other ones didn't give. Uh, and you need to remember, like I said, all this has got to happen in seven years. So you couldn't take two years for the Bible and three years for the this and that. It's all taking place at the same time. Now let's compare some of these seals. Look in Revelations chapter 6. Revelations chapter 6. And let's, uh, let's look at the sixth seal. The Bible said, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts, saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So we're talking about a famine, right? We're talking about a famine. All right, look over uh, there in chapter 6, and look where it says, uh, verse 12, And there was a great earthquake. Right? Great earthquake. Okay, look in uh, Revelations 11. This is not uh, Revelations 11, verse 13. And the Bible, now this is trumpet judgments here. And the Bible says, And the same hour was there. Okay, go all the way over to chapter 16. And look at verse 18. This is not trumpets or vials or trumpets, or seals. This is vials. And what does it say? And there was a great earthquake. Uh, you see how that 
you see how these, even though these are different, they cross over to showing you they're the same thing, but they have a little bit more uh, intensity to them, or it shows you something that somebody else didn't see. Uh, we get uh, Revelation 6 that I read a minute ago. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, the sixth seal, and that's the earthquake that I just got through showing you. And you can see that, and you can match some of them others up. They won't all match, but some of them will match. Now let me explain it this way. Everybody knows what a telescope is, right? You probably had one when you was a kid. It's just one piece like that. You look, but then you can slide it out. You can see a little bit more, and then you can slide it out, and you can see a little bit more. All right, think of this that way. You got, you got, you got the uh, seals, and then you slide it out a little bit more, and you got the trumpets, and you slide it out a little bit more, and you got the vials. Uh, but they're all, they're all together. They're all in one. Uh, now, so four times uh, we go completely through the tribulation in the book of Revelations. And if you get that, that'll help you a lot. Uh, because for years I stumbled around trying to figure out when this was going to happen, when that was going to happen. Don't worry about when it's going to happen. It's going to all happen right there in that tribulation time. It's going to all happen right then. All right? So, uh, the Bible said, back to our original text tonight, and after these things I saw four angels standing upon the earth. One thing you notice in the book of Revelations, there's a lot of angels. A lot of angelic activity going on. And by the way, it's interesting, and people don't think about it, check the book of Acts out sometime. And see how much angelic activity was going on in that early church. Uh, they opened the door and they let uh, Peter out of prison. And uh, different times in the book of Acts, there's an angelic presence. But I want you to notice how important that angels are during the tribulation. Here it says, and there were four of them. And then uh, there's another one there in verse 2. But now look over to Revelations 8 and verse 2. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God. There they are, uh, getting ready to pour out these prayers. Uh, look in chapter 12 and verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael, who is an angel, Michael is an archangel. But it said, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. There's angelic battle going on. Look in uh, chapter 14 and verse number 8. And the Bible said, uh, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Got another one in chapter 15. And I saw another sign in heaven and a great and marvelous plague. And so you have a ministry of angels going on. And so the Lord gives, says there's four angels. Four angels. Why four? Well, God's going to do something here on earth. And these angels, the Bible said that I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. You got these people now that are flat earthers. They don't believe the earth is round. They believe the earth is square and flat. And you say, there you go right there. It says they stood on the four corners of the earth. But four in Bible numerology, which is a very interesting study and it really help you in your Bible if you know what numbers mean. And I know some of you know some of them. Number seven's always perfection. Three's the Trinity. But the number four in the Bible is the number of the earth. You say, why is four the number of the earth? Well, he said they stood on the four corners of the earth. Four directions. North, south, east, west. Sometimes you'll see advertisement. I think I used to have one for the Marines or someplace and said that going into the four corners of the earth. And so uh, it's not unusual to look at it that way. By the way, the word news. Anybody watch the news today? I'm proud of y'all. 
Nobody but Bill. Amen. We watch the news. You ever looked at that word news? N-E-W-S. News. We want to hear the news from all over the world. We want to hear north, east, west, and south. News. Four is the number of the earth. Because the earth has four directions. The earth has four elements. God made us of dirt. I did a funeral yesterday for uh, Sister Mary Kingrim when we got her out to the cemetery and we got ready to place that body back to the ground. And you know that that doesn't, I mean it's, it's bad and it hurts and all like that, but there's also something natural about it. There's something natural about putting people back in the ground. Because the first man, Adam, came from the ground. God made Adam of the dust of the earth. So the Bible said, Dust thou art, dust thou shalt return. There's four elements to the earth. Dirt, air, fire, and water. There's four seasons in the earth. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. There's four divisions of our day on earth. Morning, noon, evening, and night. There's four kingdoms in the earth. The mineral kingdom, the vegetable kingdom, the animal kingdom, and the spiritual kingdom. There are four phases of the moon. First quarter, new moon. Last quarter, full moon. On the fourth day of creation, back in Genesis 1, on the first day, uh, fourth day of creation, God made the lights. And He said the lights were for signs and seasons. It doesn't say it, but we know where. For the earth. And then He says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the, the earth. The night, yeah. Uh, upon the earth, it says, to give light upon the earth. And then in Genesis 4... We have the first murder in the Bible. Cain kills Abel. And when God comes looking for Cain, He said, Your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, the earth. And so four is the number of the earth. And that's why that the Lord sends these four angels in four directions and they have power. The Bible said they have power that they're holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. But then there's another angel coming, and the Bible says that he's coming, and he's going to do a work too. Now, when we look at this, Revelation 7-2 said, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Biden ain't going to like that. These, these green earth people, they ain't going to like that, but they ain't going to be able to stop it. Amen. And I like what Eddie said one time. He said, uh, they talking about trying to save the trees and the air and all that stuff. And He said, well, I got it figured, Brother Brick. God's, gonna, God, God's got it lasting long enough. We're going to need it. And uh, that's a pretty good statement. Amen. And uh, so he says, This angel was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Now I want you to make a mental note here that nobody can do anything until God says do it. And if you don't get nothing else tonight, that's worth coming for. Revelation 6 and verse 4, the Bible said, And there went out a horse with red pow and power was given unto him that set upon to take peace from the earth. There was given to him. The devil can't do anything unless God allows it within certain areas. You remember when he came to Job 
And God said, all right. He said, he said, let me add him. And the Lord said, all right. He said, here's how far you can go. He said, you can, you can take everything, but don't touch him. Don't take him as far as you can go. And he could have killed Job's wife from the way I understand it because the Lord didn't put no stipulation there, but he didn't kill Job's wife because he was going to use her to try to get him to curse God. You remember when his wife came? I mean, the poor thing had to be half crazy. She buried ten children in one day. Her husband had lost everything he had. They went from a millionaire to paupers. Her husband's sick and she's got to be halfway out of her mind. And she comes to him and she said, Why don't you retain your integrity and curse God and die? He said, you talk like one of the foolish women. But everything that God said He could do, He did it. And He didn't wait ten years to start. Aren't you glad tonight that the Lord ain't said, all right, go ahead and get Him. You see, it's that way all the way through the Bible. Nobody can do anything unless it's given to them. Look in uh, chapter 13, Revelation 13. Right. Revelation 13. And look at verse uh, 5 and 7. And there was given unto him. They can't do nothing unless, something's, unless it's given to them. Look at verse 7. And there was given unto Him to make war with the saints. God allowed it. Tribulation saints. Look in chapter 16 and verse 6. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Talking about God had given them blood to drink. Revelations uh, 22, verse 5. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. You know why you're saved today? If you are, God give it to you. You know why you got a Savior loved you and died on the cross? God, For God so loved the world, He gave his only begotten son. You know why somebody hadn't already pushed the nuclear buttons and destroyed everything? God ain't allowed it yet. God ain't allowed it yet. So, that's good. So, no, no judgment. God said no judgment, no wind, no destroying the trees, no judgment until I get all my people sealed. That's what we're going to read about here in a minute. But in Genesis 19 and verse 22, when Lot was down there and God's fixing to burn up the whole place, you remember what, you remember what the angel said? I can't do anything till you get out of here. Because the Bible said in Second Peter, he was a righteous man. He was, even though he wasn't living like it, he, he, he was saved and God said he was, so he can't argue with God about that. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 Talking about uh, God knowing how to protect His people or deliver His people out of judgment. We often quote this verse, most of the time wrong, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God is promising there that I'll make a way of escape, I'll make a protection, I'll make a way for you. So, I said all that to say this. I heard Sister Linda say when uh, I was reading the Scripture there a minute ago at the end of verse 17, he asked the question, Who shall be able to stand? Just draw you a little arrow over into chapter 7. Because he answers that question, he tells you who's going to be able to stand during that period of time. Okay, Revelations chapter 7. 
all of the verses there in chapter 7, they show us the people that's going to be saved during the tribulation. First of all, we got 144,000 that God seals them. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. I don't have time to go in depth with it tonight. And then we got a multitude after the 144,000 are sealed in verse 9. He sees a multitude, and there's a whole bunch of more people there. said, A multitude out of all nations and kindred and people and tongues stood before the throne for the Lamb. And he said it was a great number that no man could number. He didn't say it couldn't be numbered. He just said no man could number it. It'd be like you going to Washington where they were having all them rallies and riots and going up there, and they say there are millions there. And you look out to try to tell exactly how many was there, there'd be no way that you could do it. But God knows. God knows exactly how many was there. So, uh, so what, what you have in the tribulation, you have the 144,000 sealed and saved. You have this great multitude, Revelation 7 and 9, that are saved. You have, uh, some say they're saved from the preaching of the 144,000. And they say the 144,000 are saved from the preaching of the two, uh, the two witnesses in Revelation 11. But the Bible says here that these 144,000, they're sealed of God. They're a remnant that God has. It's already there. Uh, and so then you got these other people that the Bible says a great multitude. Every one in that great multitude, every one of them is beheaded and they die as martyrs during the tribulation. They are the answer to chapter uh, 6 and verse 10 where they said, How long, O Lord, holy and true, doth thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? Look at verse 11, And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season, little season, about seven years, little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren should be killed as they were. How were they killed? Revelations 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. So you got these 144,000, they're not beheaded. They're raptured. We'll get into that in time come. But all of these are people that was beheaded. You say, well, how do you know that? That's how they overcome. Look at Revelations 12 and verse 11. He said, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, believed in Jesus, and by the word of their testimony, they said, we're saved, we believe in the Lord, and they love not their lives unto, don't leave that little word out, the death. That's a special kind of death. It's not a heart attack, it's not cancer, it's not getting shot. But he said they were overcome because they were willing to give their testimony and they died the death. They died the death. Now, i got about two minutes. Go back to chapter 7. This is not the church. How do you know it's not the church? Well, for one, it's, I've been teaching you for weeks, it was raptured out in chapter 4. It's not the church because the Bible tells us who these are. Look down in verse 14. And he said unto him, uh, he said, uh, verse 13, he said, Who are these? And he said, Thou knowest. You know why he knows? Because he's in heaven. When you're in heaven, you have perfect knowledge. But he said, Thou knowest, and he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. You may come out of tribulation, your wash machine may have quit working today, and your car wouldn't start, and you had a flat tire when you went out to get in your car, and your kid's sick, and they called you from school, and your kids caused trouble. You may come out of that kind of tribulation. 
But these people here are coming out of the great tribulation. And probably about the end of it, somewhere thereabouts. So, now, I do want to give you this. Can I have five more minutes? Okay, we got, we got these uh, 144,000 out of all these 12 tribes, right? All right? There's two tribes that are missing. Two tribes are not in there. If we went back and looked at the list of tribes in the Old Testament, there's two that's not there. And it's Dan and Ephraim. That's your question, number nine. They're taken out. Now, I'm not going to go look at it tonight. You can do it when you get home. But the reason that Dan and Ethiom are taken out is found in Deuteronomy 29, verses 18 through 21. Write that out and look at it and get home. Deuteronomy 29, 18, 21, and Judges 18 and 30, and Hosea 4 and 17. What do they say? They say Dan turned to idols. Says the same thing about Ephraim. Said Ephraim has turned his idols, let him alone. So they're not in this list, and God replaces them with two other people, Joseph and Levi, the tribe of Joseph and Levi. Now, get your pencil out, I want you to get this. On your paper there, if you got a paper, I've got listed there all these twelve tribes. Now, right out there as I tell you what they are, I'm going to tell you what these names mean. Judah means a praiser of God. Reuben means looking to the sun, S-O-N. Gad means a company of. Acer means blessed ones. Nephilim means wrestling with. Manasseh means forgetfulness. Simeon means hearing and obeying. Levi means cleaving to. Issachar means a reward. Zebulun means a home and dwelling place. Joseph means adding. Benjamin means sons at God's right hand. Now let's, let, let's read what we wrote. Praisers of God, looking to the Son, a company of blessed ones, wrestling with forgetfulness, hearing and obeying, cleaving to a reward, a home, a dwelling place, adding sons at God's right hand. Glory! You think the Bible ain't inspired? Only God could put that list in there with those names meaning that and coming out to mean what they mean. Amen. All right. We'll stop there tonight. And thank you.